Into God's Word. Here we go. Obviously, we know that this has been a, a very challenging week for our city, for families, for our nation. There's all sorts of responses that we're seeing. Micah, Alicia, Don mentioned many of those just normal human responses. There is lots of, of fear. We know that. We don't need to talk about that a lot. It's, it's obvious. We know that some are just very frustrated right now as the disruption of normal life uh, is, is not cool. Some feel like, man, this is a waste of time. I'm fine. I don't get to be productive. I want to get out of, out of the house. For some, it, it really feels like, oh, it's like, this is like a prison sentence. I'm quarantined. I'm stuck. I'm, I'm inside against my will. I've seen all of those responses in my own family, there, except there's one. There's one who's very excited. Uh, he thinks his spring break got extended to a month. And so that's my little guy who's eight years old, doesn't have a whole lot of, you know, makeup work to do right now. So he, he's the one in our family that's just, yeah, vacation. So he's going to be repeating, you know, second grade for a long time, but that's okay. That's okay. My other one is, uh, got another one in there who's definitely feeling like it's a prison sentence. The little poor guy who's massively extroverted, feels like he's a little lab rat right now, just, you know, being caged up and banging his head against the walls just to get outside. And there was a moment this week where it was like, just go outside, just go, just run around the block right now. It's pouring rain. I don't care. Get out. Just run. Leave me alone for a few minutes. We're all facing difficult times in a real way. And I want to ask a question right now that's very serious. When you face a difficult time, what are you expecting to come your way? There is a promise from God. There is a reality from God that God wants to implant in us. He wants to renew our minds with something that seems crazy, but it's all over God's word. Even in the midst of difficult times, God wants you God wants to invite you to expect that good will come. As a follower of Christ, this is a massive privilege to be in a tough moment, but to genuinely, not hyping it up, not pretending, not faking it, but in deep in your spirit, deep in your soul, that your feeling is, your faith is locked in, good is going to come out of this situation. I hope that's incredibly appealing. It is to me, and, I, I, and I'm feeling it, and it's good. Last week, we talked a lot about what are you anchoring your soul with right now, and I believe God's wanting to impart something in a fresh way to us. He's wanting to anchor our soul in this type of faith that we expect that good is going to come out of this situation. I mean, that is the very nature of faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says faith is this. Faith is the confidence. Listen to that. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not yet see. It's amazing. Faith inherent to faith is expecting confidently, assuredly expecting that good will be coming our way. 
even though we haven't seen it yet. We can't see it. It has not yet come. So it's this constant, as Micah pointed out, because of who God is and his character and what he's done in the past, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and there's so much genuine stuff to be thankful for, grateful for, that's all meant to now build our faith into the present moment that good is coming my way. And man, that's a powerful place to be living from in a time of difficulty. But sometimes when we talk about things like this, it's, it seems maybe hard to relate to or a little bit abstract or, oh, that's just like, you know, religious talk. No, it's not. These are, there are real testimonies all over the place of people living like conquerors that the Bible says we can be when God does this work in our minds, in our spirit. I want to take us to a very real testimony of a guy named Paul. He's just an ordinary guy. He's a normal follower of Jesus. Broken, doesn't have it all together, but saved, redeemed, healed, empowered, delivered, and God started doing extraordinary things through him. I want to take us to him example, his example. Philippians chapter 1, he's writing now from prison. That's the context of the book of Philippians. Paul had gotten himself in trouble. The authorities and various groups of people were offended at this message about Jesus being the Savior of the world, being our connection to God, being our healer, our redeemer, the one whom by which we are saved. That had gotten him in trouble, landed him in prison. And he writes this letter of power and hope, and joy, and confidence. Listen to this. Philippians 1, 3-6, he writes to his church in Philippi, I thank God every time I remember you. Every prayer of mine for making all my, whoa, in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And here's what I want to focus on. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. Or another translation, the one up there says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but if I'm in a prison cell for preaching Jesus... I might have to wrestle with the reality of, am I confident in the work of Jesus? This is a real person who's in prison because of his relationship with Jesus, his preaching of Jesus, his confidence in Jesus. It landed him in prison. Would that wane your confidence? Paul is still able to write genuinely. He doesn't know. He, I mean, he has nothing really to gain here. He doesn't know if he's ever going to see him again. But what does he say? I am confident that he who began that good work in you will bring it to completion. That's power. That is power. His confidence in who God is and what God wants to do has not waned. 
He opens the whole book just saying, hey, I know, I have seen God at work in you, and it is not done. God's going to continue his good work. And that is, wow, just such a mighty declaration. I want to ask you guys right now as, as a church family and guest friends listening out there, could you make that a prayerful declaration over your life in this season? God, thank you that you will be faithful to continue your good work in my life. Can you make that a faith-filled prayer in this season of your life? I think that's probably one of the most important and powerful things you could do to respond to this situation is some type of prayer like this where maybe you need to pray it every day where you drum up all of that genuine confidence that you can because of what God has done in your life, what, what the testimonies are that you know of God doing in other people's life, all that you can be thankful for, all that you can be grateful for, all of that welling up into a present moment of genuine confidence where you can look in this difficult season. You can look at the eye of the storm. You can look at it in its face and all the fear that people are trying to throw at you. And in the midst of that, you can make a declaration. God, thank you that in the midst of this, you will be faithful to continue your good work in my life. Nothing can stop that. That's what Paul is declaring over this people. While he's in prison. I mean, you talk about such an impotent place, such a powerless place, a vulnerable place. He has, he has, he has no rights. He's got no power. He's stuck. Some of us feel like that in, in some small ways or some big ways. And, and from that place where the external circumstances say, you have no power. You can't change anything. You're just stuck. Paul says, but there's a whole nother power that's available. There is a spiritual authority that's available that we can grab onto by faith in prayer, declaring, God, thank you. You will continue your good work in me. And I encourage you, church, make that a declaration every day in this time to keep your head straight. And moving on. Paul now makes it very personal from his faith, which is awesome to see, that's, that's able to move outward to them. Now he gets very personal about how he's dealing with being in prison. He goes on in Philippians 1, and he says this in verses 12, excuse me, 18, jumping up to 18. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers... And the help of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, this situation of being in prison, will turn out for my deliverance. Now, just for time's sake, we're going to just focus in on that verse. There's so much to it. But listen to what he says. I mean, the man is in prison. The, the emperor is psycho, Nero. This is about 60 AD. Most likely Paul's in prison in Rome. 
This psycho Nero is literally dipping Christians in tar and putting them on his front lawn and lighting them as a message. It's not a good time to be a Christian. And Paul is in prison in Rome with this man who has his life in his hands. Any day it could be, Paul, you're up, you're next. This is a real person. And this is his confidence. This is, this is startling. I mean, this is a breathtaking declaration. He says, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this situation will turn out for my deliverance. God, give us that faith to be able to carry a confidence even a rejoicing that no matter the situation, through the prayers, the collective prayers of the saints and the presence of the Holy Spirit, and those two are key, if you don't have those, it's not just that, oh, everything that happens is good. That's not true. That's not true at all. Oh, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. That's not true on its own. You can go through bad things and they just hurt you. And, you, and it doesn't make you better. This is right here. We're getting to some of the key ingredients. Through the collective prayers and the presence of the Holy Spirit with you in the midst of difficulties, then it turns out for deliverance. If the Holy Spirit's not there, if God's presence is not there, then there's no guarantees. That's the difference maker. And this word deliverance is so key this is an incredible word it's soteria in the greek which is from that same beautiful crucial family of words sozo which we talk about a lot because it's so important it's on the lips of jesus all the time it means saved healed delivered so in this sense deliverance salvation healing these are the words that are used over and over in the New Testament, over and over by the gospel writers in particular, to describe that holistic picture of heaven transforming earth, of God's kingdom breaking in and redeeming the broken world in every way that it needs it. Jesus would go about doing his work, bringing salvation, healing, deliverance. And then he would say, the kingdom of God has come upon you. So through the prayers of the saints, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, Paul is able to say, I may be in prison. And we've just got to feel the genuine weight of that. Real person in prison. His life is in question. And he's able to say, I may be in prison, but I am rejoicing and expecting that even in this situation, through the collective prayers of my brothers and sisters, and through the presence of the Holy Spirit with me, more of God's kingdom is going to break in and transform my life. Wow, 
That is such an incredibly powerful way to live. He's genuinely able to say this. He's genuinely able to say, I, nothing is going to defeat me. Whatever comes my way, God, by the presence of his Holy Spirit, can and will turn it for good. Turn it into my salvation, healing, deliverance. Turn it into his kingdom breaking in. That's just our prayer. God, give us that faith this morning. I want to take us to one passage where Paul shares this testimony of his life that he's encountered, and now he teaches it to others. He says it like this as he's teaching the church in Rome, ironically probably about 10 years before he got there himself and lived it out, he taught this in a letter, Romans 8, 28. And we know, we know, that's a confidence, we know that not I hope, I think, I wish, it's a nice ideal, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That is Paul teaching about the mighty, redeeming power of God in our life through the Holy Spirit. No matter the situation, Paul says, there is this crazy faith that we can have that says, I don't understand how, I don't see it, it doesn't make sense now, but I can anchor my soul in that somehow God can bring good out of it. Now, I want to dig into the Greek for a moment here because it's incredibly important in this passage. Depending on how you read this passage and even depending on the translation that you have, the verse actually says very different things. For example, Romans 8.28 in the NSB and others are like it. It's very interesting. This is one of those passages where it's like, whoa, like the translators actually change the verse. Listen to this. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Can you hear the difference between the ESV, which is actually the literal Greek translation, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. That's different than we know that God causes all things to work together. I mean, literally in the Greek, God is not the subject there is not even the word God there as the noun of the clause. It, the literal translation is, and we know that to those who love God, that's a clause. It doesn't exist. They changed it and made God the noun and the subject saying God causes. So it's weird. It's not in there. They added the word God and made it the noun subject. And then secondly, there is no verb cause. 
It's literally not in the Greek. It's an added word. Yeah, let that sink in for a minute. The way it's written in the Greek, it's all things, panta, all things is the subject, and the verb is synergoi, or synergize, what we hear in English, synergoi, work together. This is very important. All, and we know that for those who love God, clause, new clause, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This is very important. It's not semantical because most people read this and they take it to an extreme. This verse is not meant to declare God's causality of all things. This verse is meant to declare God's redeeming power over all things. And that's very different. This is so important because we want to be able to stand with Jesus, as my wife mentioned earlier, and declare that it is the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We don't have to put that in the God causality section of life. Jesus comes to bring abundant life. This is so important right now because we don't have to look at the coronavirus and see it as a gift from God or a punishment or a judgment. It's an evil. It's a sickness. It's a destroyer. The new covenant, the new testament is very, very clear. Early death from disease and sickness and evil and destruction are the work of the enemy. John 10.10. 10. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to represent the Father and bring abundant life. God's redeeming power, this verse is saying, is so big that no matter what evil exists, no matter what crisis we face, through the Holy Spirit's presence in us, in us and with us, God can redeem it. We can expect that good will come out of it. This is the deep-rooted confidence that Paul lives from. His confidence is so rooted in the goodness of God and God's power to deliver him, to bring his salvation, his healing his kingdom no matter the situation that he's actually even able to rejoice and remain confident while in prison because there's this fire in his soul that says i know god's will is to bring the goodness of his kingdom nothing can get in the way of that and even when evil befalls me god will turn it around for good and I want to close with one example of this that's just so awesome. We're backtracking another 10 years earlier as Paul is already living this out in Acts 16 where, ironically, he gets put in prison in Philippi. The group that he writes a letter to later about <laughs> remaining confident and hopeful and rejoicing even when evil and injustice and difficulty is coming your way. 
Check it out. In chapter 16 of Acts, we'll just make a long story short so we can close. Paul's doing his Paul thing, spreading the good news about Jesus, healing people, delivering people from the power of the enemy, bringing people hope and salvation through Jesus Christ, and he gets thrown in prison. Let's pick it up at verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. He has been unjustly beaten, rejected publicly, humiliated, outcasted, put in prison. That's a bad day. But at midnight, he is caught doing what? Rejoicing in worship of who God is and prayer. He is living out what he's preached. That is a fighting spirit that brings so much honor to God. That's a powerful soul. I want to be that kind of powerful soul. This fighting spirit doesn't come from nowhere. It's rooted deep in his faith. That, that in this presently bad situation where he doesn't have control of the outcome, he is confident it will turn out for his deliverance. It is a deep, deep rooted confidence in God's redeeming power. I just want to make that our prayer this morning. Let's make that our prayer this season. Grow my faith, Lord, in your redeeming power. Grow my faith, Lord, in your will, in your entrusting that your will to bring good changes my expectations about the future to such a point that, that I can rejoice, I can sing, I can declare with confidence in the face of difficulty that. Good is coming my way. Let's just pray that right now. Join me, church. Join me, friends. God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to do this. It's, it's not a, a side note or a coincidence that Paul mentions. It's through the prayers of the saints and the help of the Holy Spirit with him that he is able to trust that this situation will turn out for his deliverance. So we pray the same right now, Lord. Give us that heart to be praying for one another, for our city, for our nation. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would be that helper, that supernatural presence that takes a situation that could just crush us And instead, it becomes a situation where more of the kingdom of heaven changes us. God, would your Holy Spirit please help us? Give us this kind of faith that no matter what situation we're facing, we can expect good to come. We can expect good to come out of it. 
when we put our trust in you as our salvation, as our healing, as our deliverance. This is a higher level of living. This is a powerful soul, God. We can't do it on our own. So we ask for help. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be anchoring our soul in the goodness of God, giving us this faith that we can walk and wake up each day with faith that good will come our way. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I will sing a new song. I will sing a new song. I will dance a new dance like David. Dance.